What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What he does in this film is something of alchemy. I don't know how he does it. It's not impersonation. And of course, we always go for, you know, the essence or embodiment of something. That was Matthew Reese talking about his role in the new movie, which opens this weekend, called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. I'm Neil Rosen. Welcome to another edition of Sitting Around Talking Movies. I'm joined, as always, by Bill Brigoli. I'm the one with the good voice. Yes, and by remotely by phone because he has strep throat, and we hope you feel better, but he's graciously joining us on the podcast, as always, Bill McCuddy. Hello, Thank Bill. you for inviting me to your neighborhood, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll talk about this crazy voice that Tom Hanks adopts in a second. But, you know, um, this is... Ba- why, don't, why, don't you, why don't you talk about it, Brigoldi? Why don't, why don't you tell everybody what it's about? Well, it's based on Tom Junod's article that he wrote for Esquire, where he was asked to, uh, to do a, a quick 400 words about a hero, in this case, Mr. Rogers. Now... He did not have the same relationship with his father that the character Lloyd in the movie did, because uh, if you look at the front of the movie, it says inspired by the the novel. So it's a different relationship. In case you're wondering, yeah, but there's many inaccuracies because Lloyd did the junket, the real not Lloyd. Tom did the junket yeah. and said that he changed his name because he didn't have a sister who got married, which is depicted in the movie. He never punched his father in the face and got hit by his father. There's so many liberties they're taking in this movie. So he said, I don't want you to call my character uh, by my name, you know, because uh, half of this stuff is Wait, just... is it the real Mr. Rogers? What's that? It's it, What's that? Say, say again, Bill? Is it the real Mr. Rogers? <laughs> yeah, he did interview the real Mr. Rogers. But there's so much license taken with this movie that the guy was like, no, change my name, because none of that stuff happened, you know? So, but anyway, continue. Change the name, but I'll sign the check. Yeah, so anyway, tell us more about the plot, uh, Bill. Well, Brown. this hard-bitten journalist who usually does expose is uh, is asked to write one on Mr. Rogers. A fluff piece, basically. A fluff piece. Puff but piece. A puff piece. But he wants really hard to do an expose, and he approaches it much the way he did his previous articles, which, oddly enough, Mr. Rogers had read. So he knew what to expect with this guy who's got problems with uh problems with his father and at home played by chris cooper right his father played by chris cooper but uh eventually they they strike a working relationship and and mr rogers helps him deal with his problems and um what did you think of it bill Bergoli? i liked it i even though the scene is in the trailer 
of the kids singing Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood on the subway train, I, I started to tear up. Uh, I got a little slow toward the end of it with the dad, and I didn't care after a while. Yeah. But I liked the job that Tom Hanks did, uh, trying to do Mr. Rogers without really doing an impression of him. And it was enjoyable. I don't know what people are going to think of it, to be honest with you. I think they're going to go in expecting like a Mr. Rogers biopic, and that's not what this is. No, it's not a it's not a Mr. Rogers biopic. And I had real problems with the movie. I mean, first of all, uh, you know, I've seen we all saw that documentary, "Won't You Be My Neighbor?" So we've gotten to see Fred Rogers when he's not doing the children's show, and you know, he doesn't really. I understand when he's doing the show and he talks to kids like what Bill McCuddy was doing a few minutes ago with like. Oh, you know, do you like to do, do do you like lemonade kids? You know, like like he talks a little more normally than that. And Tom Hanks, I couldn't really buy into the voice when he was, you know, speaking to the Matthew Reese character, the journalist Lloyd. I mean, he continued talking in this bizarre bizarre actually is the word that McCuddy and I both said when we walked out of the theater. But, you know, to me, I said on this on the TV show that we taped yesterday, which will air next Friday on CUNY TV and the following week on PBS. There's a TV show? Yes, yeah, so sitting around. Uh, it's just called Talking Pictures with Neil Rosen. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. I mean, he sounds like a cross between Rain Man. And if you remember the movie Being There with Peter Sellers, the character Chauncey Gardner. I mean, it's like, you know, are you upset that I did not like the movie? Well, you could bang on the low keys on a piano or swim laps. Uh, Lloyd to channel your anger and I mean come on I mean this is just ridiculous you know and he tries to turn the interview I don't around. think it's ridiculous and I think that we we need to explain a couple of things first of all the reason that Tom Hanks is drawn to the Matthew Reese character is because he's damaged and he wants to try and help him that's the obvious uh, sort of pull through here it's also not uh, really about Mr. Rogers it's about this Matthew Reese character that wrote for Esquire magazine and I think people will be maybe disappointed in that because it's not the it's not the Tom Hanks show as you're led to believe by the by the trailers. I think we've also misstepped uh, in not mentioning how odd the execution of this movie is. I think it's very brave, but a lot of people are going to scratch their heads when you're taken into the world of yeah. Mr. Rogers' neighborhood and scenes are shown, transitions are shown of little tiny villages on the set and airplanes, model airplanes that fly from one city to another to represent real characters moving around. I found that daring filmmaking on the part of the woman who directed it. Marielle uh, Heller. Marielle Heller who directed it. By the it. end of the movie, by this great feeling that somewhere Mr. Rogers is looking down on all of us watching this, but I agree that it's not going to be for everybody. I think uh, it's only for the smart people. Well, I I, I thought it was... Um you know, I, I, not as, it, other than the Mr. Rogers uh, voice, I thought the thing was, you know, a bit unrealistic and contrived. Uh, the whole thing with Matthew Reese's character and his father, I mean, you know, you know where this is going. I mean, you know, Mr. Rogers is coming in to save the day. I mean, you know where this is going from the start. Yes, it did hook me in emotionally at the end a bit, but I, I, I thought the whole thing was just, I, I wasn't buying it. And the director, who we just mentioned a moment ago, you know, she did a great movie, one of my favorite movies in the last few years, called Diary of a Teenage Girl. And she also did Can You Ever Forgive Me, the um, Melissa McCarthy movie with, um, who's the guy that uh, he got nominated for, uh, for an Oscar? Richard Grant, and Richard, I think Mariel Heller is Richard. the name you're searching for. Of the no, no, we said, we said that. Well, we, we said her name. 
but I'm saying that I don't think this is quite in her wheelhouse. And I do give her credit for trying to pattern the movie after an episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood to kind of make it the same stylistic uh, thing. That is an interesting choice. But that said, I just really, like Bill Brigoli said, you know, like after a while, I'm like, who, who cares? You know, like I, I was like, who cares also? You know, I don't know. It seems like Mr. Rogers well, was cared. kind of... Was, You're a soulless, heartless prick, and uh, I think... The rest of America will enjoy it. Well, it seems like Mr. Rogers was a bit, like, holding in a lot. He was kind of, like, uh, damaged to an extent also. He was banging on those piano keys, the low notes of those piano keys, you know, towards the move, towards the end of the movie there. And uh, I don't know. And he was also, well, what did he say? Matthew Reese goes, it must be your kids. It must have been hard growing up to have you as a father. And he's like, uh, <coughs> as opposed to just going, yes, it was. Yes, it was. You know, <laughs> I'm like, God. I don't know. I, I couldn't gravitate to this movie, but uh, you liked it. You, you, as despite you saying it was bizarre when we walked out of there, and I had the same word to describe it. You said you, you, you liked the movie. So um, yeah, I liked it too. You liked it too more did, than you did. Would you, just, would, would you recommend the yeah, movie? Yeah, I would. Yeah, you, but I know just smart people. Do you think I that, don't? Want, I wouldn't recommend it to the people who wouldn't get it. Well, do you? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, look at that. Ooh, what what a burn. Hey, do you think that this is going to be commercial? Do you think this is going to be commercially viable? As you said, Bill McCuddy, you don't know who's going to want to watch this, but do you think this is going to just tank at the box office? No, it won't tank. I don't think it's going to tank. There's enough interest in Tom Hanks, but uh, I don't know if it's going to hold up. But don't you think that the documentary was so much better? I mean, seriously, like if you want to like look at the life of Mr. Rogers. Yeah, but you know, I was talking to my wife about that, and she said most people didn't see that documentary. You guys talk on your TV show like everyone's seen every movie, and she's right. <laughs> yeah. No, not, most people didn't see that documentary. And by the way, that documentary that you're so in love with didn't get even nominated for an Oscar. wasn't even on the short list. But didn't it sweep everything at the Critics' Choice Documentary Awards a year ago? Seriously, wasn't that the movie that just kept winning like Apollo 11 this year? I can't recall. I think so. I think so. Well, what does the Academy know anyway, you know? What, what do they know? What do they know? But all right, so listen, so you got two th- two, two pros um, from Bill and Bill, and I'm... Uh, and I'm amateur. And I'm mixed to negative on it, but I won't say completely negative because it did get me a little bit at the end. But, you know, all right, let's move on to a movie that I loved called Marriage Story. And um, why don't you front this one, Bill McCuddy, since I'm going to front uh, Dark Waters. Why don't you front uh, Marriage Story? Why don't you tell us what that's about? Well, basically, Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver are a dysfunctional married couple that uh, were living in the world of the New York theater, and uh, she moves to California and says, you know what, I want uh, custody of our child. And a legal battle ensues. This is... uh, Noah Baumbach's script and direction, and uh, he's got a pretty good handle on what the ear and voice of modern, let's say, marriages constitutes. Uh, it's kind of an update or a redo of uh, Kramer versus Kramer, but uh, this Adam Driver is not Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman in that film was portrayed as sort of the hero and the, the good guy, and Meryl Streep was the sort of the bad person, and this... What's interesting about this version is that uh, who you root for goes back and forth between the two of them. So I'm like you. I was uh, I was a little put off by it in the beginning, the first let's say ten minutes. But I uh, wasn't put off by it. By the time it. it was over, I was convinced it's one of the best movies of the year. Well, um, first off, you know, on the TV show again that we taped yesterday on CUNY TV next Friday and on PBS All Arts the following Friday, I will tell you that. Um, 
you know, everybody's comparing this to Kramer versus Kramer. To, to, to your point, Bill McCuddy, about not we, – we all talk about that everybody's seen the documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor. You know, Kramer versus Kramer, how old is that movie, Bill Bergoli? Like 30 years ago, you know? I was in advertising – when I saw it, I think, or, or college I mean, or you something. You know, how many people remember okay. Kramer versus Kramer? I mean, okay, point taken. I, I mean, I just think that uh, it's being compared to it, and I think unfairly in some regards. And I don't think it really is Kramer versus Kramer. I think this is a much more intelligent... Uh, look, I like Kramer versus Kramer for what it is. I think it's real good. It's a lot of cute scenes with Dustin Hoffman and how the kid hates him in the beginning, and then they forge this wonderful relationship, and then the mother decides to come back, and it's like the kid doesn't want to go back to the mother. It's a different kind of thing. I mean, this is kind of... It's, it's a different time. Right, this yeah, is, you know how long ago it was? I actually remember a scene from Kramer versus Kramer where they asked Dustin Hoffman's character, who was an account exec in advertising, they asked him how much money he made per year. He said $50,000, and everybody thought that was a lot of money. Well, you know, marriage story. That's how long ago? Well, Kramer versus Kramer. I remember the scene when he was on Christmas during the Christmas party when he was desperate for a job. He was, this is a one-time only offer. You want me? You hire me right now. But look, it's a great. This is a very, marriage was a very different movie. It's a character study. It's brilliantly uh, directed and written by Noah Baumbach, and the dialogue is so realistic, so powerful. Um, you know, first of all. Uh, I think you know it, it's a character-driven story of two people. In, again, this is and this is the last mention of Kramer versus Kramer. Meryl Streep exits the movie five minutes into the movie, and she comes back five minutes, the last five minutes of the movie. This is basically the story of Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, pretty much a, a two-hander. I mean, you follow her life and you follow his life, you know, as they're going through a divorce and how it gets infinitely more fucked up when lawyers get involved, and she's got this, you know really tough as nails bitch lawyer played by Laura Dern who Bill McCuddy said will probably win an Oscar for the role and I kind of agree um you know and she's just making things just infinitely you know they're trying to work things out together but she's just kind of this shark was like no you got to go to all these other lawyers so if he tries to get a lawyer in LA you know there's this uh thing that then he won't be able to use them because you've already consulted you know she's doing all these dirty tricks and he goes to this like folksy family kind of guy played by Alan Alda like okay sit down relax you know where he finally has to hire the like and eat to get even, you know, to get to be on the same playing field, he has to hire Ray Liotta, who's equally a, like a complete prick, you know. So, um, but there's dialogue in this movie. I mean, there is one scene. It, it's it's one of the most powerful scenes I've seen in movies in years, where they have a ten minute argument, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, and the dialogue. They keep upping the ante with each other in this argument. You know, it starts out like, well, you know, I don't like this about you, I don't like this, and it just just escalates in like every line that, that, that keeps coming out of each one of their mouths where like, and I won't tip this off, what Adam Driver ending the argument says something, it's just like my wife and I are like literally our jaws are dropping. I can't believe I'm watching this. It's such an intelligent, grown-up adult film. It is near the top of my 10 best list. If not on the top, I haven't done the list yet. And it's not a happy film, but it's a great film. And that's uh, my feeling on that. What do you think about that, McCuddy? <laughs> I like it. I told you I like it. No, about what I what I said. Do you uh, did you do you agree? I wasn't listening. <laughs> That's funny. Well, anyway, I really like the movie, and I highly recommend it. And uh, playing as we talked about uh, in the previous show, uh, currently at the Paris Theater, which is now reopened in Manhattan, and uh, on Netflix uh, pretty soon. Pretty soon, like everything's coming. By the way, for our Oscar vote, I will take Laura Dern, and you can have the field. No, I'm not taking that bet because I think I think you're right. I think Laura Dern is going to win this. 
Let me tell you about a movie called Dark Waters, which opens uh, this weekend. Um, and it's um, it's inspired by, again, inspired <laughs> by a true story. And Mark Ruffalo plays this um, tenacious uh, chemical company attorney um, who represents the, the, the firm, which is run by Tim Robbins, they run, they represent chemical companies. And this uh, Bill Camp, who Bill McCuddy is a big fan of, wasn't Bill Camp, by the way, in that movie that we saw recently with um, with the, the uh, with the tattoos? The guy wanted to get all his tattoos removed, and he was... yes, he's in everything. Yeah, what the he hell? was the father figure in that tattoo movie, which I think is just called Ink. Yeah, and it, no, but it was the guy who went through this painful procedure. He was a neo-Nazi, and then he turns his life around when he meets. Uh, and, and who was the one? Was it Vera Farmiga? Was it Vera Farmiga who plays? Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. So anyway, so Bill Camp. Shows up he was also in the HBO series The Night Of, which he was terrific in. Well, anyway, I know you're a big fan of Bill Camp. So anyway, uh, Bill Camp shows up. He's this farmer, and he shows up at the agency, and he goes, and he, and he seeks out Mark Ruffalo, and he goes, uh, you're, I'm friends with your grandma, and my cattle are dying, and look at these pictures of all these birth defects on my cattle. Look, this one's got no teeth. This one's got three eyes, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. It's just all this wacky shit. And Mark Ruffalo is like, listen, I represent chemical companies. I can refer you. This is a conflict of interest. I will refer you to somebody. He goes, yeah, you're just like all the other, you know, lousy lawyers. And he storms away. And Ruffalo, this is right at the beginning of the movie, goes to visit his grandmother. Says, who is this guy? And he goes, oh, he's such a wonderful guy. He did this for me and that for me. Can you please help him out? So Ruffalo starts looking into this and finds out that the DuPont Corporation, um, during World War II, developed the te Teflon. Te we all know the product Teflon for tanks during World War II, so things wouldn't stick to the tanks. And after the war ended, um, they applied the same technology to frying pans, so that when you were cooking, things wouldn't stick to the frying pan or to the pots and pans. Um, and they found out about a year into this. Now we're talking about the, you know, World War II ended in 1945, and they came out with Teflon a couple of years ago. A couple of years after they discovered Teflon, uh, they, they, oh, sorry, is a couple of years after they started applying this to household appliances, they realized that it caused birth defects and cancer. But they, like the, the tobacco companies, they hid this information from the public for decades. And Ruffalo um, goes to Tim Robbins. He goes, listen, I, I'm uncovering this stuff. And Robbins goes, this is a conflict of interest. But if what you're saying is true, I'm with you. And it takes seven years, you know, because... The DuPont Corporation has deep pockets and, you know, dozens and dozens of high-powered lawyers on staff, and they keep trying to drain them financially, and Ruffalo is, you know, it's ruining his marriage with Anne Hathaway, He's you know, plays his wife, you know, destroying his relationship with his kids because all he does is, like, obsess over this stuff and work on this stuff, like, 20 hours a day, and he's also taking pay cuts because he's not servicing any of the other clients in the agency, so Tim Robbins says you can keep working on it, but I have to, like, cut your pay again, so he's financially... Bad, bad shape. And that's basically the movie. It's about this guy who's going after DuPont to try to set things right. And that's what the movie's about. And it's very well done. And we talk about, we talked uh, last week, I believe, but when did we talk about the report with Adam Driver? And last the movie week. itself is about four minutes shorter than Neil's description. <laughs> it's a two-hour movie. And unlike the report, which is dry and boring and doesn't have any character, uh, you know, you don't really get into the character's lives, th this follows more of a formulaic uh path where you do learn about Mark Ruffalo, which I liked, and it's a true story, and I liked it very much, and I highly recommend this movie also. And um, plus, uh, you know, 
I will mention one last thing is I did the junket and I interviewed Tim Robbins and he said, can you believe that they actually are still using Teflon? They don't call it Teflon anymore. They rebranded the product and are calling it something else. But this chemical that's in the Teflon, which is called PFOA, that's the actual ca cancer birth defect causing chemical. They're putting it in other stuff. They're just, they're just calling it something else. He goes, how messed up is that? And how messed up is that, really? Anybody? <laughs> Yeah, that was the junket gift. They gave us all uh, like a set of cookware. cookware. Cookware, yeah. that's right. They gave, <laughs> they gave us cookware. Uh, anyway, so Dark Waters, highly recommended. Marriage Story, highly recommended. A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, recommended by Bill Rigoli, highly recommended by Bill McCuddy, and not recommended by me, which brings us to um, a movie that Bill McCuddy wanted to talk about that he saw for some reason on TV the other day, an old movie that won an Academy Award for Best Picture uh, with Robert De Niro and John Cazale and Christopher Walken. Yeah, well, Mrs. McCuddy and I were flipping around last night, and she said, oh, the Deer Hunter's on it, and... I hadn't seen it since it came out originally, so I was interested in seeing it. And, you know, we started to watch this thing, and when it got particularly gruesome in Vietnam during the uh, the Russian roulette game, uh, she said, you know what, I don't need to see any more of this, so we stopped, and I watched the rest of it later by myself. But I have to tell you that the takeaway for me, for this Chimino film, which I always think is made after The Godfather and was made in 1978, a few years after both of those, uh, is really kind of long. There's a wedding scene at the beginning oh my of this God, movie it's endless. 25 minutes. It's endless. And I just was, my only point, and the only reason I wanted to bring it up was, I just don't think they make movies like that anymore, for good or for bad. And I know that's a great film. I don't uh, think it's a great film. But I think film. that I've been desensitized by how long scenes should be at this point in my life. And uh, so I was kind of bored. It, it, it's one of the great movies that's ever been made. I don't and agree. And I was kind of twiddling my thumbs. I don't think it's, you know, I always thought it was an overrated movie. I thought it was too long when it came out. Um, it won the Academy Award for Best Picture, and I said, this is undeserving. Um, I actually saw it a few years ago again. It was on television. Didn't watch the whole thing, but I had the same opinion of, like, these, like that wedding scene that you're talking about going on way too long. The only real dynamic scene that I thought was great is the scene that everybody remembers, which is the Russian roulette scene with Christopher Walken and and, uh, and Robert De Niro, you know, in when he goes back to Vietnam to get walking out of the, uh, was he, the POW camp yeah, or something like so. that. You know, that's the real memorable scene. But I think Michael Cimino, who directed that film, um, which, again, I think was way overrated, then since it wins the Academy Award, he has carte blanche from, the, from United Artists, the studio, to do anything he wants, and he makes Heaven's Gate, which bankrupts United Artists. And then people after that Heaven's Gate go, well, you know, now, I don't know if you remember this, McCuddy, but people would go back and look at Deer Hunter after Heaven's Gate was such a disaster and say, yeah, you know, maybe we, we maybe Deer Hunter wasn't such a, as great as we thought it was, because look at this Heaven's Gate thing. It's all, so, you know. I, well, well, funny you should say that, because a lot of people who go back and revisit Heaven's Gate say it's not as bad as it got true. when it came out. I never saw Heaven's Gate. Did you ever see Heaven's Gate? No. Did you, Bill Bergoli? No, but I saw Ishtar, and I'll bet that still stinks. Well, I didn't mind Ishtar, but I'll tell you that Heaven, <laughs> Heaven's Gate, I think that's a malign, I don't think it's a great movie, a Lane May movie with Warren Beatty and Dustin Hoffman, but I don't think it's as bad as people think it is. But I'll tell you that uh, I wanted to see Heaven's Gate, but it came and went in like two weeks. It just, like, <laughs> it bombed so badly that uh, it just went in the theaters and just got out of the theater. And that was three showings over two weeks. 
And they, yeah, it was very long. And then I think United Artists tried to salvage it by recutting it and cutting it down. And that didn't work. And then they just, it, it bankrupted the studio. But, you know, I would, you know, I don't know if it's out on DVD or streaming somewhere, but I would actually be interested in watching Heaven's Gate because when you talk about the biggest bombs in movie history, I mean, this is the movie that bankrupted a studio. Uh, I don't think you can get any bigger than this. I mean, because it put United Artists out of business. Um, Waterworld was a big one. Uh, right, but Universal Pictures still stayed in business after Waterworld. It's a bomb. I think in 1964 dollars, the fact that Cleopatra cost as much as it did probably almost bankrupt 20th Century Fox. Well, I was thinking Cleopatra. It's funny that you mentioned that, but um, yeah, but that really that that was a big tab to pay for that studio as well and it didn't really do the money but i don't but i think cleopatra at least took in some money i think heaven's gate was like lost a lot of money you know um well i don't know and michael cimino did he ever work after that again did he ever do anything? i don't think so i think he shot commercials yeah he made a i know he made a bad movie with tarzan what's his name uh johnny weissmiller <laughs> no. thank you grandpa no the the younger guy um i don't know didn't daniel day lewis play play uh that character at one particular point no 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 he played some other iconic character i don't know what are we gonna get google as a corporate sponsor <laughs> well did i did i tell, talk about spreaker bill bill Bergoli? i don't remember no you didn't okay so um to all our listeners we are no longer our. Well, we want to welcome our new host uh, that hosts the podcast uh, platform, Spreaker. Spreaker.com. It's Speaker with an R. Spreaker. And uh, our podcasters, our old podcasters, still up on Blog Talk Radio, but our new episodes uh, are now all on Spreaker.com. And you could find us, we are on multiple platforms because of Spreaker, on all kinds of platforms. So welcome. So to a lot of people are listening and don't even know the difference if they get it on Spotify or iTunes. Well, I'm just saying, you know, if somebody listens to the podcast and says, "Hey, you should listen to this podcast," and they go, "Hey, we're thrilled whoever carries us," and thanks to Spreaker and Spreaker, and, not Spreaker, uh, Spreaker, <laughs> Spreaker, Spreaker. So whatever, uh, I like, I love them. <laughs> And there was another old movie you were you were, you, you were talking about, we were talking about a Sean Connery movie before we started uh, recording this podcast. You saw the Anderson tapes, Bill McCuddy. Uh, uh, well, you were talking about whistleblowers on uh, with Dark Waters, and we do on the television show CUNY. If those of you listening to the podcast still haven't gleaned the fact from uh, Neil's forty-four to fifty mentions a week that we have a television show, we talked about. Uh, about Sidney Lumet and the two that he did, Prince of the City and um, Serpico. Serpico. And I was flipping around, and uh, TCM had the Anderson tapes from 1971 with Sean Connery and uh, Diane Cannon, and a great turn from Alan King, who really didn't act enough. He was always playing himself, but it didn't matter. He was good. Didn't he produce? Uh, and Christopher Walken is introduced in this movie. It's a heist film that takes place in a real building at 91st and 5th Avenue in New York City. And Martin Balsam is terrific in it. Um, it it's a kind of a weird thing from 1971. Everyone who's gay is called a fag, openly, like in front really? of everybody. It's just like a thing. And uh, it, so there's there's some dated material in it, but uh, I recommend this film. I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I remember watching this as a as like a kid or like early teen, 
and I saw it in the movies, and I was just, you know, you talk about they don't make movies like, they don't really make movies like that anymore, but I just remember this van coming out of this truck, and Sean Connery, who I'd only basically known from the 007 films, you know, was in this thing, and I'm like, this is just like a great caper. It's just, it's just a lot of, it's, it's fun and it's engrossing and it, it, I really enjoyed it then. And I haven't, I don't well, think he I... moved it because he was pegged as 007 and uh, a fun other side note is that uh, the great Garrett Morris from Saturday Night Live has uh, a small part in the film. I think, I think Alan King who produced a lot of movies might've produced that movie. He had this production company called King Hitsick and they and he produced a lot of movies so I wouldn't even be surprised if uh, I remember interviewing the late Alan King once and I go who's Hitsick and he goes he started laughing he goes uh, he's just a financial partner or something he just like fluffed the whole thing off but uh, he might have even had something to do with the production of that I don't know who directed that do you do you have any idea Bill? Sidney Lumet is why I brought it up oh did Sidney Lumet definitely direct the Anderson tape? yeah 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 oh okay uh, I, I didn't I I, I Again, did. on the podcast, you listen to me about as well as you do on the CUNY TV show. For those of you who don't know, we have a CUNY <laughs> TV show. There's a TV show? Well, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's a network around the country. I, I'm not convinced that uh, that Sidney Lumet directed the Anderson tapes. That's why uh, it kind of went in one ear and went out the 100%. other. 100%. 100%. So, um, yeah, bet well, me. Well, did, did, no, I'm not betting you, but did, did, Bill, did guess what Neil, Neil's doing now? Oh, I'm no He's secret. It up, but I'm telling you, I just saw it the, the, like an hour ago. <laughs> you said Diane Keaton, though. It was Diane Cannon. Oh, is, I'm sorry. Did I say Keaton? Yes, it is Diane Cannon. So you were wrong Diane on that. Diane Keaton is a twinkle in someone's eye in this movie. But, uh, but Sidney Lumet. Oh, no, she's not that young. No, no. It, it, the movie came out, it, The Godfather was made the year after that. But, uh, no, it was directed by Sidney Lumet. You were, you were 100% correct. And, um, yeah. Gosh, thanks. <laughs> I wonder who produced it, though. Well, we'll find that out on another day. What's coming out next week, Bill Bergoli? Well, uh, a little thing that Bill and I saw last week together called Knives Out. Knives Out is opening next week. That's true. And, um, is... Yeah, you said they don't make them like that anymore, Neil, about the Anderson tapes, and they don't make them like Knives Out anymore. Yeah, that's true. They really don't. So we'll talk about that next week. Uh, the Knives Out, I'm going to say, is a perfect uh, Thanksgiving family tr- uh, vacation, uh, you know, family Thanksgiving dinner after you put your turkey knife away to see this movie. All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.